Hey everybody, Tom Miller here with Lauren Waters, and this is Challenge Day 7. So hopefully at this point, now if this is your first day with us, you may want to go back and start on day one, but it's okay. You can start anywhere in the series, but this is this is a 10-day challenge that we're putting out to you. And so by this point, you should have downloaded your uh, 10 indicators wheel of success. Uh, Lauren's going to put up our, our new wheel. If you haven't seen it, this is what you should be able uh, to download next. Um, so you should have downloaded your wheel, right? So now you have it based upon uh, each of the substandards per indicator. And uh, if you haven't taken the assessment, you can go to 10indicators.com and you can take the assessment, download the wheel, and then you're going to fill in your wheel. And Lauren's going to show you what your wheel might look like uh, when you have started to fill it in. So here you go. So this is if you've done all 10 indicators and we're focusing today on indicator seven, which is a fiscal vitality, which is down here in the bottom left, right? So if I'm a leader of this school, like I'm looking at, hey, you know, I only have five of the seven indicators. That's about 70%, right? So now I have a starting point, you know, versus, you know, the rest of the wheel is very, very balanced here uh, for this, for this uh, school. And that's what you want to do. You want to have a visual um, and a and a common conversation with your team around, hey, what are our strengths and what are our areas for growth? And Lauren, like this wheel just does a really good job of uh, showing. And I don't know, is this the, this isn't the average of all the ones that we've taken, right? But it's kind of close. Uh, yeah, no, this isn't our norm data, but yeah. it's pretty close. Just it's just an example, but it is really close when I'm looking at, you know, three and four and, and, and right. So now I see where my ride is bumpy, right? If I took this wheel and rolled it down the street, right, I'm going to be, I'm going to be bouncing a little bit and you don't want a bouncy ride. You want a nice smooth ride. So whether all of your scores are in that, you know, middle of the circle mark, as long as it's rolling, that's, that's good. But if it's, if it's, you know, jagged and uh, bumpy, uh, it helps you prioritize, right? So, so let's, so let's spend some time talking about uh, st uh, standard seven, right? So this is a fiscal uh, vi vitality indicator number seven. And so uh, I, you know, we've been talking a lot about why charter schools close and, you know, the number one reason why charter schools close is honestly because of finances and uh, uh, almost 20% of schools close before year three, 40% uh, close after year 10. And it's like, well, how could a school close, you know, uh, because of finances after 10 years? Well, it usually has something to do with internal controls, right? Or lack of, or lack of, uh, you know, building up a, a reserve base or like evolving. And, and that's why, you know, yes, charter schools close because of finances, you know, mainly, but they really close because of all, all 10 indicators, right? Something, their wheel continues to bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce. And eventually it leads to student attrition and student attrition uh, leads to lack of funds and resources. And then as a result, you know, the school starts to lose money. And that's one of the uh, standards here, right? Is that the student attrition rate is less than 5% uh, and it really needs, needs, you know, to be better. And this is just the student attrition rate of from day one, you know, of enrollment through like your last month of school. This doesn't even really count some, you know, summer attrition, right? But you should also monitor that as well, right? Because attrition is expensive, whether it's attrition of your kids or attrition of your teachers. Um, it's really, really expensive to have to, you know, um, get kids to uh, uh, unlearn and relearn a new culture and new, you know, behavior. So when you keep your own students, over time, they can they can improve through through the law of uh, consistency. 
Uh, Lauren, what 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 are the substandards? You know, you had brought up one during our pre-talk, right? Of these seven substandards, which one do you think is 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 one that we we spend a lot of time on during our inner circle calls? Yeah. Well, the the phrase that comes to mind when I think of this indicator that you say so much, Tom, is knowing your numbers. So when you were talking about the student attrition and even your staff attrition, knowing your numbers is so important. And so a lot of times when we ask schools those questions, you know, well, what is your staff attrition rate? They're like, oh, it's so high, but they don't have a an actual number to give us where they'll say, oh, it's so low. No one ever leaves. But you know, really keeping track of what those numbers are is important. So you have a clear picture of your actual reality. Yeah. And that's, and that's all numbers, right? It's not just enrollment, yeah. but it's, you know, turnover, it's where am I in the budget? It's, it's, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm blessed. I've just always been pretty good with numbers in terms of like being able to kind of remember, but I think it's really because I spend a lot of time knowing where I want to be, you know? So in the book, uh, if you haven't got your copy, everybody, it's, it's available right now. You can grab it. You can go to Amazon uh, and get a copy, or you can go to our website, 10 indicators.com and download all the bonus resources with it. But in there, we, we actually talk about, Hey, here's a best practice, you know, percentage for every area of your budget, including, you know, reserves, uh, that you should have and 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 one you know your largest expense is always uh uh your people and your personnel it's always it's always the highest but what we've seen lately Lauren right is schools are having a hard time maintaining salaries and benefits to to be competitive uh in their school system and and that's that's that you know that's an issue if you have a school that has a, not a great academic performance and the culture is a little, mm, and and you're not going to pay your people at the highest level. Oh, you are, you are, that is a recipe for a uh, disaster, right? And so uh, finding a way to know, okay, here's what the local school system pays. Um, here is at minimum what we want to pay and learning how, how do I create my own, uh, you know, salary scale and, and, and just put myself on a different level, right? Uh, you know, how do I, how do I get out of the pile in a sense? And it, that's usually the first, you know, a question, you know, someone may ask is, well, I don't want to, I don't want to leave my school because one, I'm going to lose money. And maybe two, you know, maybe you're not part of the same benefit system and it creates uncertainty right away. You know, people don't mess with people's money. And so that's that that's probably the other bullet here that's really important. And so may you know maybe you can't get there right now, but what this book will help you do and the budgeting process we have in here will help you start to identify okay, where should my dollars be going? What is the best use of all these? You, you may have some, you know, programmatic costs. I tell a story in the book about uh one foreign language program that we were paying like tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And I asked, well, how many people are logging in? Nobody was monitoring it. We had one kid log in in six months. I was like, okay, well, we're getting rid of that, right? Because that's a person. So like, you know, you know, programmatic review, evaluation. And so, okay, I want my salaries to be, you know, 65 to 70%. And then, you know, to do that, you know, then I can make a decision. Am I going to pay my people more, uh, right? And, and, and probably have to have maybe a few more kids in the class, or am I going to pay them at least at scale, but have small class sizes? Like you, you can make decisions when you start to have a backwards design around your budget. 
Yeah. And I was just going to add the importance of including your, um, your staff or at least your teacher leaders into some of those conversations and finding out what's really important. Cause as you just mentioned, sometimes you have to um, examine other areas. So it could be, okay, we hear you, you want a higher salary, but at what cost? Are you okay with one more student in your classroom? Are you okay if we cut this program? And then you'll really start to see, you know, where where they want to draw the line in the sand to get that increased salary. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's really important because it does need it need, need, need to be a bottom-up conversation. And and they do need you need to be transparent when it comes, you know, to money. You shouldn't be, I mean, everything's public record, it always kind of cracks me up when they want to have, you know, boards go into closed session, talk about their budget. I'm like, for what? I mean, everything's public. Your salary scales are public, you know, like, like how much you pay people is public. Like it's okay to have this conversation, but build a structure around it because what we see is, well, I'll just pay you more because, you know, you're like, you're like the Barry Bonds of teaching. And then I got someone else and you start to create these big gaps in or in around the salary and, you know, teachers talk, right? So if you build a structure that works, and you can sustain over time, I would highly recommend doing that. And the book gives you a uh, process. Um, so just looking at these other uh, seven indicators, you know, the number one piece, right? <laughs> I love this Dave Ramsey quote. He says, uh, you know, if you follow Dave Ramsey, he's like, um, kids do what they want and adults follow a plan. And your budget is a plan. It's a plan of how you'll spend your money. So take the time. The budgeting process doesn't start in April. It starts immediately when the school year starts. You're constantly looking at it, revising it, so you have the, the most accurate information to make real-time decisions. You know, I, you know, if you want to hire an interventionist at the end of the year, or you need to you need to like improve, you know, maybe hire a dean or like a behavior, you know, consultant, whatever. And you're like, well, I don't know if we have the money. Well, how do you not know? Someone's got to know, right? So looking at your budget, <clears throat> knowing your numbers, like Lauren said earlier, and every single month, right? Being like a forensic scientist when it comes to where are the dollars going out and how can I best use that? Uh, so again, so the school gives you a process. So you got seven pieces here. Remember, cash is the oxygen that will drive the success of your school. Uh, make sure you you take, take your assessment, uh, download your wheel of success, and look at your score and really take take the time to look at, OK, uh, um, where on my fiscal wheel, right, are we struggling and where do we need to improve? Thanks, everybody. And looking forward to seeing you on Challenge Day 8.